This is episode 189 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Women's Camp 2016 with Carrie Patterson. This is session three from Saturday night. Thank you, thank you. It is true. It is well. And I am glad to be here with you tonight. So glad. Isn't God good? Is God good? Can we just say, Lord, thank you. You are so good. He has been so good to us this weekend already. So good to us. Um, and I know that he will continue. So I'm looking at my time. Make sure I don't take up too much of your time. But let's do a quick review. All right. Let's kind of look over where we have gone so far. Last night we started and we, you, you remember that we're asking a question each time and then we've got a word for each time. And so last night our question was when. And what was the one word that we looked at last night? As. As. There you go. When do we make disciples? When do we carry out the Great Commission? And the answer was as. As you go. On the way. And I'm going to repeat it again, right? Because repetition is the key to learning. The main thrust of the Great Commission was make disciples, right? That is the, the, main, the main imperative verb. And then the other three things are called? Woo! Awesome. And there was like, particles. Yep, they're particles. <laughs> like, yes. Go home and tell your husband, we learned about particles. Um, it was a participle, yes. And so make disciples, going, baptizing, teaching, right? Make disciples in everything that you do. And we looked and saw that every interruption is an opportunity for us to engage in the mission of God and make disciples. And then this morning, we asked the question, who? Right? Who? And what was the one word we looked at this morning? You. You, right? We saw that God has a plan, and it is you, right? He's not up there wringing his hands, oh no, what do we do? God has a plan, and that plan is you. You are his plan. And we saw the truth, the glorious truth, that wow, I am already loved. I work from my identity, not for my identity. We looked and we saw, wow, I am rich. If I take the puny little resources that I have and I give them to Jesus, he gives them back to me and I now have limitless resources in order to minister for his sake. And we saw, wow, I am called. I am already called to this great commission. Now tonight, we know that we are called to the Great Commission, right? The Big M Mission. And tonight we're gonna to look at more specifically, we're asking the question, where? Where? And the word, you guess, the word we're looking at tonight, you remember? Go, right? If we had to get to this at some point, go. Where, that is the big question. Where, where am I called to make disciples of all nations? And where is my specific go calling, if you will? Right? That's what we'll call it tonight. Where is my specific go calling? There were lots of interruptions. We saw this in Jesus' life, right? Was, there were over 40 different um, examples just in that book of Matthew of all the times that someone came up to Jesus, all the way until the very end when Judas came up to him. But it's interesting, after that, and even right before that, it says that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. No more interruptions, right? He was going and he had a divine purpose to go to Jerusalem. Why? To die, right? The, the final fulfillment of his 
go calling, right? There were lots of mini ones, and the, the big one was to go and to pay the penalty for our sin. So we don't have to fulfill that go calling. That one is done, right? So our go calling is something underneath of that to go and share the good news of what Jesus has done. And it is good news, right? We're just talking with my sweet friend Alicia today. And it's like, we get this mixed up. We get like, we feel like maybe we're selling Amway or something. Or like, I don't mean that offensive. Like, like it's like we have to go door to door and like give our spiel. And it's, it's a gift, it's not that. It's not like, well, I've got to try and talk about this really awkward thing. That It's a gift. Right? It's a gift that we are offering. So how do we know our specific go calling? We're talking about that tonight. I was thinking about um, the whole stolen boat incident. Y'all remember, some of you weren't here Friday night, and you're like, say what? Um, my dad's boat got stolen. You were thinking about the whole stolen boat incident, and you know, um, up to that point, my, my husband and my dad and my brother, we'd just been sitting around. We were talking and hanging out. And then we find out about my dad's boat being stolen, right? And then my husband realizes, I have some specific information. I have something specific here. I had seen that boat, and I have a picture of it. So I have some specific information here that is going to um, inform what we are supposed to do next, right? And so you better believe what happened. My dad, my brother, and Jeff hop in the car and take off to go and get this boat. And they were able to recover and take back all that had been stolen. And I, after they got back and we're all rejoicing and we're handing out all of the stuff, I thought, that's the Great Commission. Right? We are called to go out into this world and take back all that has been stolen. All that has been stolen by the curse, all that has been stolen from the enemy, who, what does he do? Steal, kill, and destroy. We are to go out, we have been given specific knowledge, we have been prepared in advance, we're just waiting. We get our goal calling and we go and take back all that the enemy has stolen. Right? It's a picture of what that commission is. Now, again, we talked about the big M mission, which is the Great Commission, but then it also takes on an individual specific mission, right? Being at the uh, missions uh, thing this morning, or this afternoon it was, um, fascinating. I love seeing the different ways that God equips different people to carry out his mission. It looks completely different for different people, right? Different temperaments, different spiritual gifts, different territory, different stage of life, different continent. I mean, it's so varied, all of these different things, right? I was struck by how my husband, Jeff, had been perfectly prepared beforehand for his go calling, even when he didn't know it. Right? He had gotten up early, and he went running, as he always does, and it just happened to be that while he was running, God brought along his path to relieve himself in the woods, sorry, and then he would see the boat, and then he would take a picture of it, and so when this thing arose, he was already prepared, right? It's just like that with our goat calling. It's like, we're, we're going, I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I don't know, and then he shows us, and you realize, oh, he had been preparing me for this. All this time, I got a picture of it, right? I was out running and I saw it, right? We're like, he's been preparing me for these good works that he's placed before me. Wow, now I can run in it, right? 
there's some struggle, isn't there? There's some struggle in going, I'm not exactly sure what all I'm called to, and the, the session, please, let's just have realistic expectations, is not gonna be the end of that struggle. Okay, don't wanna have your hopes set too high. But hopefully, it will give us a picture and help us sort through what is my specific calling, my part of carrying out this great commission. Now, there is no one size fits all, right? I'm not gonna give you the, here's the three quick steps to knowing your calling, right? I just don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't think there is um, that in the scriptures. I believe that the most helpful way to discern our co-calling is to look at the stories of those who have received theirs. In the scriptures, there's a lot of them. It's fascinating. We'll go briefly through them. It is, of course, helpful to compare um, sometimes our lives with each other, right? I know when I hear somebody who's um, been called to a specific ministry, it's like, oh, that's how it was for me too, right? It's kind of encouraging and, and, and uh, uh, confirming. But the problem is too, also though, that we're all really fallible, right? So it's like, if I just compare myself with you or what I'm doing with what you're doing, we can both get real wonky right? And just end up in the ditch. But if I make this my standard, I know that this particular calling that this person received was from God. Why? Because it says so. Does that make sense? So this is my standard. This is what I compare my life to. So all we're going to do tonight is look at seven, seven of them. Okay. Seven's kind of a good godly number. So we're just going <laughs> to pick seven. There's more. I'm just teasing. But seven of these go callings in scripture. And I do believe that each one gives us a description of what it would probably be like for us to. Okay? So it's going to kind of fill it in a little bit. And hopefully my prayer is that at least one of these is going to go thunk in your heart. Right? One of these is going to go, yeah, that's it. Okay? That's what we have been praying for you, that one of these would resonate with you. The very first one, we're just going to go um, chronologically through the Bible. The first one is Abraham. Abraham is our first picture of a very clear go calling. If you want to turn to Genesis 12, is where we see that for him. Most of you are probably very familiar with it. And he says, the Lord said to Abram in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, go. It's a good start, right? He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to... Where? A land I will show you. That's where I go. Can I get a little bit, a few more details than that, right? Kari, I want you to go where I tell you. Okay, where exactly is that going to be? A land I will show you. Very unclear, right? He's like, can I get coordinates for that? Is there a map? Do I get a GPS, right? Do we have an ETA on when I can expect to arrive in this land that you will show me? Nope. None. None of those details, right? The first thing we see in the scriptures is that the calling of God is full of unknowns. The calling of God is full of unknowns. Very rarely will God call us to something and give us all the details. My friend calls them deeds. She's not going to give us all the deeds, right? We are not going to get all of the deeds about our specific calling. He will tell us just what we need to know. Right? Just what we need to know. The interesting thing about this calling is that God actually highlights more of what he's leaving behind 
than what he's going to. Right? God does not specify what land he's going to. He doesn't specify where it's going to end up. But he does specify what Abram needs to leave behind. You need to leave your country. You need to leave your kindred. You need to leave your father's house. And I've noticed sometimes that the greatest callings in our lives are simply those that specify what we need to leave behind. Sometimes that's all the go calling we get for right now. Is you need to leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house. By the by the by faith in God, I believe that each one of these is probably for someone here. Okay, I'm just gonna take a leap of faith. That that go calling, first and foremost, is to leave something behind. Away from an environment that is not good. Away from a relationship that is not good for you. Often our first go calling is to leave something behind. Sometimes we cannot fully receive our go calling until we leave it behind. Whatever that is for us, leaving our country, our people, our father's house, whatever that represents, is it leaving behind that comfort? Is it leaving behind that security? Whatever that is. So often we cannot hear him until we've already left those things behind. We kind of have to just go first. We had a go-calling adventure like this, um, I don't even know, six years ago now? Uh, Six years ago. And uh, we had a a great, comfortable, secure life. Maybe I should have read last year, but um, God just began to break our hearts to leave our home, to sell our dream home, and, um, and and move toward giving half of our income away and just move forward in generosity. But really, he didn't clarify where we were going. He just said, sell your house and live differently and move. We're like, okay, where? <laughs> just sell it. Okay. Later, he gave us more of a full calling, but he didn't give us that until that stuff was all left behind. Sometimes our go calling is just specifying what we need to leave behind. And then the land ahead, he will show us. But a go calling will be full of unknowns. The calling of God will be full of unknowns. Number two, the next one we see is Moses. Right? Moses, in his go calling to go and speak to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity, and into the promised land, it actually included a lot of goes. It was go um, to the elders first. If you turn over to Exodus chapter 3, is where that is, we'll turn there with you. Exodus chapter 3, first we see that he is to go to the elders of Israel and tell them the plan. And then in chapter 4, verse 18, we see that God says, go and return to Egypt. Go to be with you without, you know, uh, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. says, go to Pharaoh and command him to let God's people go. They are to leave Egypt to enter the wilderness on their journey to the promised land, which is a picture of what we are called to do, right? But he knows right off the bat, right? His calling is to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. How well is that going to go? <laughs> right? He's led immediately to opposition. And that is our second point. The calling of God 
will lead you, almost guaranteed, will lead you almost immediately to opposition. Right? If we have this idea, why do we persist in believing that the call of God, the path of obedience, is going to be too smooth? Right? Well, if this is the Lord, every door is going to open. Right? We just don't see that here, right? We just don't see that. We see, we don't see Pharaoh saying, "Yeah, go for it." No, right? No, over and over and over, constant opposition. And we could go further in the story, right? Once he deals with the opposition of Pharaoh, then he's dealing with the opposition of the people, right? The very people he's trying to help. Constant opposition. The calling of God will lead you almost immediately to opposition. Especially, this is just in my personal experience, especially when we are entering areas of significant spiritual darkness. Entering areas of drug, drug addiction, um, prostitution, demonic influence, mental illness, um, areas where there are specific spiritual, excuse me, strongholds, there will be significant opposition. Right? We do not just waltz into these areas, right? Moses was prepared. He was ready. God had already told him he was going to be able to do the plague, do the, the various plagues and the signs, right? Significant opposition. That doesn't mean we stop. It means that we recognize we are going to face opposition and we're not taken by surprise when it comes. Number three, the next little go calling. We're just going to go keep going through quickly. The next one is Deborah. Right? Deborah is kind of a, a surprising one. We don't think about her a whole lot. But in a roundabout way, she was called on behalf of Israel to go into battle with Barak. Right? She was judging Israel. She was prophesying. She was a prophet, and she was also a judge. And first, she's prophesying about this battle and, and finding victory for Israel. And Barak says, I'm only going to go if you go with me. This is a very surprising story, right? It's very interesting on many accounts. But that is very unusual, right? It is unusual that she was judging the nation of Israel, right? Do we know about ever happening to a woman any other time? It was very unusual for her to go into battle. Incredibly unusual, right? I would say this, the calling of God, and hear me out on this, don't jump to conclusions, please. The calling of God may, just may, challenge your assumptions of what women should or shouldn't do. It may challenge us. Now, I'm not saying your calling will challenge what Scripture says we should or shouldn't do. But we are so quick to have our ideas of what we should or shouldn't do. And you know what? Sometimes the calling of God messes with us in that way. Right? It might challenge the assumptions of those around us of what we should or shouldn't be doing. Right? How often we have those assumptions. I remember when um, I had young children. They're still kind of young, but really young children. I started um, speaking. Not this was not my deal. Okay, just want you all to know. <laughs> she was like, anyway. Um, I never thought I would be doing this. This is just anyway. God's sense of humor. Um, I was so shy, so shy when I was little. I would hide under my mom's skirt at church. Okay, could not speak to strangers. Anyway. 
Um, he's just like, yeah, <laughs> just wait and see what's up for you. Um, but I started speaking almost nine years ago, so about eight and a half years ago. So, um, and uh, when I, I really, it, it was not a me thing, okay? I, I don't need to share all the details, but it was a God thing. I didn't seek it out. I didn't want it. It was, it was the Lord leading, and my husband and I both very clearly sensed this is God, you need to respond to him, you need to obey, you need to say yes. And um, at the time, I was attending these little uh, mommy groups, uh, like an encouragement for young moms. And I just constantly felt like I was hearing this message from this, this specific area and person that if you have young children, if you are doing anything outside the home, it is not God. And I wrestled with that, you guys. I questioned, I cried, I thought, because, you know, I mean, I have to leave home to go do this. Y'all know that, right? I mean, and I spend time with my kids. I homeschool them. I am with them all the time, okay? <laughs> like 24-7, I am mommy, okay? It's not like I'm just, anyway. And so, but I'm hearing this message constantly, like, if you have young kids, and you are doing something outside the home, you are not in the will of God. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm supposed to preach the gospel. But I'm a mom. What am I supposed to do with that? Anybody? Okay, I'm just being honest. And so as best as I knew how this walking in humility, it's like, okay, if my husband says yes, and my spirit, in my spirit, I sense the Lord saying yes, and I'm not walking in the book, I've got to just do this. Right? And now it's great. My kids, it's their norm. They're like, yeah, we hang with dad. That's what we do anyway. But sometimes it challenges us, right? Sometimes it challenges what we think is like the, the good thing to do. Right? What if there is a cost? What if it costs something from our families? What if it costs something from my kids? I can't even get on that. It, it, it's a big one, right? We've talked through that. My son, it's, I was nursing him at our first retreat, so he's nine and a half, right? We've talked through that. There's a cost. If we believe that this is something that is involved with our family preaching the gospel, there's going to be a cost. I'm going to miss you, and you're going to miss me. And it's short, and it's temporary, but there's a cost for our whole family. There's a cost for my husband, who's a pastor, by the way, right? So tomorrow morning, y'all, he's going to be preaching and parenting, okay? They're going to be sitting in the front row. Please, please, Lord, please, please. I'm praying, you guys. Like, just just be good. You know, and he'll be free, right? And there's a cost. Okay, but sometimes it will challenge our assumptions of what we think is within the box of what we should be doing. Okay. Number four is Isaiah. Isaiah was called. This is a famous one we use often for youth. We go to often for uh, messages on missions. Isaiah 6 is Isaiah's calling, if you want to turn there. And I heard a voice, Isaiah 6, 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. Right? He's eager. He's ready for his go calling. Here I go. And then the Lord begins to describe what it's going to be. And he says, go and say to this people, keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. And I don't know about you, but maybe Isaiah's like, I'm sorry. 
right. This doesn't sound good. <laughs> this doesn't sound real, real successful. Right? And it's true. The Lord is not giving Isaiah very much encouragement here. He is calling him, actually, into a ministry that, from all outward appearances, would appear to be this was part of God's plan. There would be a remnant that would come out of that about the stump, right? That would come out of the root that comes out of that part of the remnant of the people of God. But sometimes the calling of God, this is number four, the calling of God may include ministry that appears to be failure. This is a hard one. It's a tough pill to swallow, right? He may call you to something that from the outside it doesn't really look that successful. If you, um, if you don't know what this feels like, um, if you wanted just a taste of, of, this, of how this feels, you could just try church planting, okay? <laughs> um, there are so many opportunities for what just seems like failure, right? Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary on this passage, said the test of ministry is not outward success, but faithfulness to the Lord. And that, for me personally, was the journey of us. I don't think I mentioned that, but four, almost four years ago, we planted a church with a team of people, and it has been a glorious experience. I love it. They are my closest friends, family. That's who I would call my family. But at the start, I entered into this with a picture of success. Right? A picture of what this was going to be. We are planting a church, and it, we're going to storm in the gates of hell, and we are going to see this salvation, and we're going to be visited. And after a year, I remember the night before what would be our year anniversary of the church plant, and my husband and I laid in bed and cried. There's our big, glorious one-year anniversary. And I remember looking this confession. I remember looking online, and somehow someone had emailed me something about um, a farm that was for sale. <laughs> you know where I'm going, right? And I look at Jeff, and I'm like, we can just run away. We can just go be farmers out in the mountains. Let's throw our cell phones in the toilet, and let's disconnect our phone, right? And let's just run off into the mountains where no one will ever find us. And let's just raise goats or something. I don't know. I'm just let's just run away, right? Not saying that farming is not going to hear my heart. But we're so, so incredibly discouraged, right? It looked like nothing. It looked like absolutely nothing that happened. And yet we knew the Lord was like, don't quit. Don't quit. And it may not be flashy and amazing now either, but God has worked mightily in people's lives, most of all in ours. God has worked mightily when we got our eyes off whether this is going to be success or failure and just be faithful. And the truth is, if God calls you to something, he may even call us to something that will always appear to be on the outside. The calling of God may include ministry that appears to be failure. The next one, number five, is Jeremiah. Jeremiah has a calling similar to Isaiah. Let's go over to Jeremiah over a few pages, Jeremiah chapter 1. 
And y'all are probably familiar with this one as well. He first, God tells Jeremiah that before he was born, he was consecrated, right? God has a call on each one of our lives. It's not something we earn because of our awesomeness, right? He says, I have prepared good works in advance for you. In the womb, I knew you. I set you apart for myself. And he says, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And what does Jeremiah say? Yes, I received the calling and awesome, right? No. He goes, ah! In my Bible, it says, Ah! Ah! Lord God! Behold, I do not know how to speak. <laughs> this is a big one for me, okay? For I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. I am with you, <coughs> declares the Lord. Right? The calling of God, I guarantee you this one, the calling of God will expose your insecurities. Right? The calling of God will expose your weakness and deepest insecurities. Right? All of the reasons why I'm not the best person for this job, right? I'm only a youth. And God nails it when he identifies that the hindrance for Jeremiah was a fear of people. He says, don't be afraid of them. Don't say that you are only a youth. God knows, the amazing thing about this is that God is so smart that he knows that our specific go calling will be the most effective method for uprooting and dealing with those insecurities. Right? He knows the most effective way to get those things to surface so that he can deal with them is through our calling. Right? How do you think the Lord has dealt with and is dealing with my fear of people? Yes. Yeah, this would be it. Okay? Right? He brings those things about in order to sanctify us. Right? I remember. Um, just kind of being vulnerable on this one. I hope that's okay. But anyway, in this, um, early on, um, so I was probably late 20s, maybe a few years into speaking, and um, I was at a church. I'm not going to tell you which one, because some of you are from there. But um, I was at a church, and I was speaking. I was really nervous right before. And um, I sit down, I'm sitting in the front seat, or front row, and I'm getting ready to go. And this woman comes and sits next to me, and... Um, I <laughs> if so, I forgive you and you forgive me, okay? Anyway, and she just shares with me that she is a professional um, speaking coach. So she coaches public speakers on how to, how to speak. And so she said, yeah, I'm really, I'm looking forward to kind of critiquing and seeing how you do. No, I'm not kidding, okay? I'm always scared of my pants. I mean, I'm trying not to wet myself, and I'm just like, you know, because I, that's what I do, yeah. I judge, and I teach, and I coach, and I, and I critique um, public speaking. Well, that was just enough to send me into having a cardiac arrest, okay? And so I, I have just a minute before we start, and I go, oh, that, you know, that's me. Can you excuse me? I just need to run to believe it's your real fast, and I go out in the hall, and I was like, you know, like, oh, you know I can't do this, you know, like, I didn't, you know, well, 
I'm pouring out my heart to him and clear as anything, and I don't say this to make myself something special because he will speak this over you as well. Clear as anything, I am pouring out my heart to him, and I hear you are not a public speaker, you are a prophet. Do not take on that you need to be a professional. Right? That will kill the life out of your ministry. If we rely on our natural talents, or me not saying um up here, or something like that, right? But that's what we're supposed to do. That will kill the life, right? Do we grow in skill? Yes, of course. But if we rely on our own natural giftings and try to be a professional, it will kill the life of God in us. Right? Let those weaknesses and insecurities come up. He's like, I know you're only a youth. I know you're not a professional. You are a prophet. And if God has called you, all a prophet is is someone who speaks forth God's word, right? I'm not foretelling the future to you. I'm telling you God's word. And if he calls you to speak, then you are too. And so you can speak the word of God confidently because he's told us what he says. But the calling of God will expose our weaknesses and insecurities. Right? I am so happy to finally be past the stage of jokes about me being young. Can I just tell you that? Okay. I endured the 90s. Finally, I feel like I'm getting closer to 40. I know I'm still super young compared to many of you, but, but I endured like nine years of constant jokes. I'm like, ah, you must be so young. You just grew up in high school. I mean, I'm just like, Could you say that again? 
but it was clear, right? And he did it, and he obeyed, and it was a picture to the nation of Israel. It was a critical point in the history of the nation because he was willing to obey. And Hosea gives us this beautiful picture that shows us that no area of our life is exempt or outside of being included in our role calling. Even his marriage, even his children, the most intimate part of his life was included in the mission of God. No part of our life is exempt. It's not like, well, here's where I'm in control, and then this is the part where I let God do his thing. Right? All of our life under the authority of Jesus Christ is part of our go calling. For me, this last year is different than Hosea, but for me this last year was this crazy adventure of going, I'm sorry, you told us to buy an ark? Some of you know the story. Yeah. I'm not sure if I heard you correctly. Can you say that one more time? Ark, he says. Ark! <laughs> oh, okay, I got it. I'm sorry, how do you, how does one find an ark? Right? It's a long journey over the details, but sometimes it's very unconventional. Sometimes it's like, I, this is really different than what I thought ministry and calling was going to be. But if we are willing to do anything he calls us to do, then he will give us a tailor-made, specific go-calling for making disciples. I love, sweetie girl was in the video, her name is escaping me. But I love what she said about, I teach my daughter to cook and there's men there coming out of prison and need to be mentored. Awesome. Right? That's a lot different than somebody else's. I love that. Her go calling is I gotta go to Costco every Monday morning. <laughs> right? Every Monday she got the same go calling. He keeps saying, go to Costco. Right? Sometimes it's that mundane. Sometimes it's that big. But sometimes the calling of God will be startlingly now, do you go to wise counselors? Yes. Do you? We'll talk about this more later about discerning, but startlingly unconventional. And then the last one, number seven. Number seven is Jonah. Jonah, here, I found it quickly, even though it's another hard one to find. Jonah, what is his go calling? He says, Arise. Go to Nineveh, a great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And you know, he just says, Yes, Lord, here am I, send me. Yes. Don't be I love the way the children's story of the Bible um, writes it. It says, He goes and says, I need a ticket for not Nineveh. <laughs> calling of God will bring our own sin to the surface. Why did he not want to go there? We don't know in the moment, but we know later. It's like, I knew that you would be gracious to me. Jonah's got some prejudice. Right? Jonah's got some grudge. Jonah's got something going on about Nineveh. 
And the calling of God will bring those things to the surface in our lives too. We like to think, oh no, no, I'm not prejudiced against people groups. I'm not racist. I am not. I don't judge. I'm not judgmental. Right? I'm not stuck in my pride. But is there any, I just ask you, ask, I've been asking myself this, is there any group of people that you would go, I, I'd like a ticket to not that. I'd like a ticket to not that. Are there any of those prejudices in our heart and mind? I remember again, just telling you all the dirty, terrible things about me, but, um, well, not all something but um, my very my very first actually my very very first go calling um, was in college and um, I'll share more about my experience with discipleship tomorrow morning we're going to talk more about the actual nitty-gritty of making disciples but um, my first experience with discipleship and um, there was a woman who had reached out to disciple me and she said I would love for you right off the bat to just get involved in making disciples. She's such a wise thing to do because you learn so much to, you know, as you're doing it. And she said I want you to lead a Bible study for college women. And so she said go pray about it and um, and then you know if you feel like you could do that then we'll dive into it next year. And so I did. I went that and, and put on your not going to be offended hats real quick. Okay, so remember, I'm probably offend you. And so I did. I went home that um, summer and I thought, you know, yeah, I, I can do that. The only place that I will not go is to sororities. <laughs> there you're offended, huh? I was like, I do not want to do a Bible study in the Greek system. I just, I don't, I, I don't want to drop, whatever. All of my prejudices, okay? Just as long as I'm not going to do Bible studies and stories, I think we'll be fine. Anywhere else, tell me to go. So I come back to her and it was Darcy. I'm like, yes, I am in. Thank you so much for pouring into me. I would be happy to leave. What do you what do you have in mind? She says, I'm so excited. I'm gonna partner you up with this girl from Mr. Rory, and you guys are gonna oversee the Bible study for the women in the stories. <laughs> Do you know how I was like, what? <laughs> Not sororities, right? I already bought my ticket. I told you. That is the one zone I'm not going in. And he's like, there you go. <laughs> I can see him. I don't know if he chuckles, but I think he chuckled. many, many years, came out of that very first Bible study, going to visit her every week in her sorority house. Is there anyone who comes to mind that you want to buy a ticket to not then? Is there anyone who comes to mind that you think, as long as I'm not called to Muslim, sexual predators, I mean, I'm just, right? There's some hard things out there. Well, as long as I'm not called to, 
I just encourage us to search our hearts, right? I'm not saying that's where he's going to take you. I'm just saying, God, search me and know me because you know me better than I know me. And you know my prejudices and you know where I get hung up. And you know, and I do not want that stuff in my heart. I want to love you all. So wherever you want to call me, it might bring all that junk to the surface, but I want to go there. I want to go there. Where is that subtle sin? Now, the one common thread of all of these things, of all of these various things, the very the one common thread that I see in all of them is that all of them are likely to involve facing a significant amount of fear. That's the common thread. Every single one of these people had to face fear. Fear is our enemy. They all had to face fear. Number one was the fear of unknowing. The fear of leaving things behind you with Abraham. Number two was the fear of opposition. The fear of going before Pharaoh. There was the fear of stepping into Deborah, stepping into roles or 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 places that I don't feel comfortable as a woman. Fear of failure. It's a big A fear of our weaknesses and insecurities being exposed. A fear of being called to do something that is completely outlandish or bizarre. Right? Anybody? A fear of what if he calls me to a weird thing? A fear of letting our thing, our sin come to the surface, or a fear, what if he calls me to tell What if he calls me to that thing? Fear. If we respond to the call of God, the one thing that we will guaranteed have to face is fear. And the one thing that will be required of us is in every single circumstance. Now, how do we fight fear? We need to quick, quick, quickly finish. How do we fight fear? There's too much for this time, but I would just encourage you with taking little baby steps of faith. Every time we stay, take a step of faith, we squash fear just a little bit more. Right? I can honestly say I do not get fearful anymore. Um, as soon as I say that, I think I'll be fearful. But the way that I used to, right? Every little step, I, I have proven him, right? It's now been, whatever, hundreds of times of proving that if I stand up with a Bible, he's not going to pull a rug out from under me or whatever it is, right? He's not playing a trick on me. The more that we prove him, our faith grows. Baby steps of faith. The more that we are, the more that we are um, faithful to respond to the little goings, what I'm going to call them, little goings, right? What are the little goings that he has called you to in order to prepare you for the big going? What are the little goings? How do we prepare? I believe we prepare for our big going by obeying in those little goings. Like one of the ways that um, he prepared us for this kind of massive move to this art thing. I know I'm being very vague. There's no time for more of that. But was that I, I believe that he was speaking over us this last year, get your house in order. 
And the only time I had heard that phrase was when people were about to die. <laughs> so it's kind of like, ooh, <laughs> get your house in order. It's like, ooh, what exactly does that mean? But, but I did some work. I did some work physically, clearing out, calling stuff out, organizing, getting ready. And so when the go calling came, it was quick. It was time to move. But we were prepared by being faithful with the little goings. Little goings include routine faithfulness. I love the story in Acts 3. I think it's Peter and John. It's where they're going at the hour of prayer to the temple. right? And they're at the gate, beautiful, and they see the lame man um, begging. And what do they do? They stop and they say, silver and gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Right? That's kind of a big help calling. I've never done that before, right? But they were faithful in going to the hour of prayer. I love that picture. If they had not been faithful in going where they were supposed to be going, they would have missed the big going, the big calling. So is there anywhere, and this is in your questions, in your booklet, is there a little going that he has already given me where I need to be faithful? Is there something that he has already told me to do where he needs me to be faithful? I believe that we will discover our big go calling, our giant and go calling, when we are faithful with our little go calling. Amen. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your word. And I pray and that you would take every word that has been spoken by all of us, not just me, by all of us, God. And I pray that anything that is of you. Anything that's not of you, Lord, I pray that you would just completely strike it from the record, that you would make us forget it, that it would just um, drift off. But everything, anything that I have said that is of you, and especially your word, I pray that it would echo in our hearts, that we would not be able to forget it. God, I pray that one of these truths from your word would in our very soul, and we would know this is what I need to face. This is the fear I need to face. This is where God's calling me to step out of faith. This is the little going where I need to be faithful. And I pray over these women that you would speak clearly. I pray that we would surrender all to you as we sing these songs. That there is nowhere that we wouldn't be willing to go. That there is no price that we wouldn't be willing to pay. That we would just say, here am I, and yes, Lord. Where you go, I will go. I will follow you, and I will say yes to you. And I pray that there will be a holy surrender in this place tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and by the power, by God's power, bring a mighty move of wholehearted, absolute surrender in this place, God. That our feet would be willing to go anywhere you call us for your glory. Thank you.